Arg, Grog. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Cider Shed podcast. I'm Matthew Weir, and I'm joined solely this week by Kerry Warbis. We have no Peter Fickling. He's not feeling the May West. Isn't that right, Kerry? Yeah, it was funny because last week he was fishing around, wasn't he, saying, oh, who's due a week off soon? And I did think, mm, are you angling? I keep saying fishy things. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's what happens when fish shite happens in the archers. Um, yeah, but he's actually gone and got COVID. So he really, really didn't want to join us this week. He was sounding a little bit rough, didn't he? He posted a video ex- explaining that he, he wasn't going to be taking part i gather the listeners might hear at the beginning him explaining his absence as well so get well soon peter when cameron was in egypt's land let my cameron go hey everyone peter here i am faking it actually i just didn't want to record with those two idiots so here we are i'm listening to it and editing it let's see if it's any good probably will be they're great Do we need mediation? It's just me and you, Kerry. Peter's not here. Well, no, we don't if he's not here. <laughs> no. Uh, Nora, what did you reckon to our Nora? People were questioning her accent and you've lived in Ireland. What did you think? Judging from my notes that I made, I wrote Nora from the Midlands, County Offaly, question mark. And then later I wrote Limerick, question mark, <laughs> then Leitrim. She did a whole tour of Ireland. Um I have to be a little bit careful about that because I, I I looked up the actor on her bio. Mm. Uh, she claims to have a vast range of uh, national accents that she lists. One of them, she says Belfast in one, and then another one says Northern Ireland. I'm like, okay, all right. So yeah, I she sounded to me like she was a lot. She sounded to me like she was from Tullamore, right in the centre of Ireland. But then she started to go a little bit south. So she isn't Irish then. <laughs> You've looked, I don't that, think that's so. That's what I wanted to look up. Like what one of her one of the feathers in her cap apparently is northern working class. She can do that voice. Oh right, okay. Like Harrison. Yeah, exactly like Harrison. Mm. What did you think of her skills though? I thought she was some people were saying, Oh, she seemed to be more on the therapy side of things. Yeah, it wasn't their first meeting, was it? She referenced that. That they'd had some meeting about the fact that Chris was going to get a load of furniture. I want that minging horseshoe tree I made. That she, <laughs> she was, Alice was quite glad to see the back of, I think. Yeah. Um, what did I think? I thought she was okay. I don't know if there are many mediators that would pull you up on too much cake. Ha! Well, I think she could sense that it was, because Chris was being a bit weird about it, wasn't he, even in that session. She could probably see when he went, oh, she had a bit too much cake. And Alice went, yes, that it was an issue between them. So she kind of focused in on it as if it was a sign of a bigger issue. He is the cake police, though, Chris, isn't he? I mean, he was a twat about it last week. Then he was a twat about it in mediation. And it's just that passive aggressive thing, isn't it? Perhaps a little bit too Mm. much cake. And then... He wouldn't have cared a jot if Alice had got smashed into that munting banana frosting cake that Susan made. He would have never said anything about it. And you can damn sure Alice, um, Alice wouldn't have said anything either. I know. It's, I it's just, I mean, everything, did Alice walk into that mediation 
demanding, and I'm going to say custody, but I'm frequently told it's not custody anymore and the mm. Archers is out of step and it's guardianship. I don't know. I don't know the correct term, but custody is not it, which no. did get used. At, Brian used it, didn't he? I think even Nora used it. Oh, that's not good, is it? I think so. I think that certainly Brian, Neil, I think Susan and Chris were all throwing it around. And there was a lot of people on Twitter last week saying, God, don't the scriptwriters know it's not called custody anymore? And mm. I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to claim ignorance on this one because I don't know. It's very interesting, isn't it? Because Alice is saying mm. to um, Jim, et cetera, uh, that she did a lot of those things because she felt guilty, like giving up Christmas agreeing mm-hmm. to two parties and she feels like she needs to make amends yeah and jim just gave her this wonderful pep talk mm. which alice just then went right f- it yeah. <laughs> just walks into mediation yeah. you know i'm going to be the best parent i can be and you never get this time again um but i think she was there was an element of that in her subconscious mm. and then when chris started being the dick that he's generally been I mean, he had to be told to sit down at one point i know what was he doing standing on the chair <laughs> he's so aggressive verbally and physically and tonally yeah. you know some of the words he uses the tone that he uses the fact i mean that was put in there on purpose could you please sit down what impression is she getting of these two people in front of her because alice is very very calm isn't she and her the arguments she puts across are quite reasonable sounding i mean we know what hell has happened as listeners prior to this but she has been sober for six months and she did use the point that you know Chris relied on her when he had shingles to have I know she volunteered but he was happy for her to have Martha for that period of time yeah and I don't feel that she's doing that as point scoring she's saying look I am capable and I've tried capable yeah and I've tried to help out Whereas everything he throws back is, you know, he's trying to get the upper hand. He's mm. trying to sell himself more to the mediator. And I think a skilled mediator would just see right through that from the off anyway, wouldn't he? he yeah. He's just, I just think he comes across, A, with how he, we spoke about it before, but his his attitude to um, women has been a bit odd in terms mm. of like uh, getting action. He's, he's coming across as a little bit... Uh, aggressive i think um in all of this and it's made me full-on team alice which i wasn't necessarily (laughs) before yeah he also is very stupid he he you know just sort of going into a mediation session and sort of bluntly going well it makes sense doesn't it i'm the main parent and i'll make the final decisions that's not a mediative approach is it no, and there was nothing that he said that was any less shitty than what Alice said at the end of that meeting. Mm. I mean, he pretty much said that when it, when she gets a little bit older to school age, he'll make the decisions and mm. Alice will just... What's the point in saying you have a say if yeah. the final decision is yours? And I think that was the, that was the trigger point and mm. a culmination of her conversation with Jim and how she's been meek in order to... Um, gain people's trust and not in a I don't mean that in a deceitful way mm. like Susan was suggesting um I just think <laughs> that she was she was like no I've had enough I've yeah. had enough of this uh this 
in horseshoe danger in front of me. <laughs> and then I like there was that moment where uh, Nora went uh, exactly or excellent or something like that. And I felt there was just so much loaded in that when she mm. said it. I was like, oh, I, you know, I don't think she thinks it's excellent. She's just saying that. Yeah, I, I kind of wished that Nora would say, why can't you just share the care, you f***ing idiots? <laughs> why does there have to be a prime, you know, I'm the main carer. She will stay with me all of the time, pretty much. Just split it so that, you know... It's properly even. You know, one of you could do four days one week and three days the next, four days next week, three days the next. It's supposedly his fear has come from her relapsing, hasn't it? Yeah. But I think he's got a bit power crazy in all of that. Mm. Plus he's backed up by quite an overbearing maternal figure in Susan, who's never going to see anything wrong. I mean... There was a little bit of a worry on Wednesday when uh, she was doing Neil's trousers and Neil ended the phone call and said, no, all right, son. And Susan said, was that Christopher? I was like, well, who the fuck else is it going to be? Eh? <laughs> How many other sons does he have? But what I did worry about that with the trouser thing, very concerned, is that Neil is shrinking. <laughs> well, it does happen, doesn't it? It does a little bit, yeah, but, you know, when did he buy this suit? How often does Neil buy a suit? And why would you buy trousers that were too long? Mm. When did anyone you know have their trousers sort of taken up? You just buy trousers that fit, don't you? So I think Neil is shrinking, and by the time we get to Christmas, (laughs) he's going to be like Frankie Dettori or something. (laughs) I've got another theory. I think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. He's turning into Pigman because he always talks about it, doesn't he? Like, oh, he's not a Pigman. He wouldn't understand. <laughs> he's not a Pigman. I think that somewhere someone has just put a spell on him, and he is like turning into a pig. So his oh. legs are shortening. Trotters are coming out. Okay, yeah, we'll need to watch out. They'll have, have to take the waist out soon of those trousers. Yeah, he he didn't even because that was for the baptism, wasn't it? That he was having the trousers taken. Yes. Out. And uh, then we didn't even hear him at the baptism, trousers or not. No surprise is the same the way you are with Brian, but I'm so pro-Fallon and now I'm also so anti-Chris that when uh, when Fallon went for Chris in, <laughs> in the church, I was like, you go, girl, mm. like, give him hell. He's just, sorry, I'm sorry to reiterate that. He's just really been winding me up this week. But that's, that's a good sign of a good character in a soap, isn't it? Kind of. It was just, I thought Fallon was really annoying at the font. It was over the top. Yeah, yeah I know why you're a bit annoyed with him, but it was so sort of 12-year-old, wasn't it? Yeah, you're late again. Of course you are. Oh, it's always about you, isn't it? Right next to Harrison, whose baptism it is. Yeah, I thought she did a, she was doing a good job of drawing that nasty side out of Chris, though. Well, was that what she was trying to do? I don't know if that's what she was trying to do, but he really bit, didn't he? Um, I know, she, I know, she pushed him. She kept pushing him. I understand, but I'm never mm. going to say anything bad about Fallon, even though she is married to a a guy that's basically about to set up a cult and go and la- go and fly <laughs> off to a comet somewhere. Um, what did you think of the actual mm. baptism itself? Um, oh, I didn't make many notes about that. I was the actual Alan bit. 
I sort of zoned out. They kind of faded him out, didn't they, quite nicely, thank God. He broke from the script at one point because he said, do you turn away from sin? Do you reject evil? And Harrison was like, I do. And then he said, do you swear to turn off the speed cameras on the Borchester Edgeley Ring Road on Saturday <laughs> afternoons? <laughs> um, did he not say I do? No. <laughs> it was just the oddest part was afterwards in the vestry where Fallon was reviving his wet quiff. I ask you. Oh. And then he wanted to cuddle. What did he say? He said something really sort of that no one would ever say. I just want to embrace my wife. I can't do an impersonation of him. Can you? I just want to embrace my wife. Peter does a good um, Alan Leonard Harrison <laughs> all in one, doesn't he? Yeah. I'm not going to try now because I would I would feel totally confident to do it without a build up. But now, um, <laughs> now there's been a build up. I, I was a little bit. Yeah, he wanted to have a cuddle and she was like, no, we're in the house of God. We're in the vestry. Mm. He's like, well, don't worry. Tom Tom dumped Kirsty in here. <laughs> I did think she sounded utterly turned off. It was as if she was like cowering and, ooh, no. It wasn't just that they were in the vestry. I did think she was a bit put off by him. Now, I suppose he did have a big wet head and, uh, <laughs> oh, no, Uh <laughs> but I, w- I did. It did make me think for a second: Is she going to feel differently about him now that he's sort of more Christianly? Well, she's. I don't understand this whole thing that she had this chat with Fallon and Usha. I mean, mm. religious listeners are going to be screaming at their phones or however they listen to their podcast. So there was that moment where they, um, she was said like worried that he w- Harrison wouldn't stick it out in in the now with someone he wouldn't see in the afterlife. And I was like, well, hang on. Wouldn't Fa- if there is heaven, Fallon's a, a good sort. She'll, she'll go up to, I mean, mm. she did, she did most, she was going to do most of the stuff for the, um, for Martha's christening for free, wasn't she? So she'll, all the food and stuff. So she'll go up to heaven. It'll just be Harrison been going, eh, eh, told you. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> so it's not like she's not going to get in. I mean, if I was St. Peter, I'd let her in. Yeah, well, you would, but Usha did sort of say, well, do you, it was a brilliant line, do you believe in the afterlife, which I had to use a share um, image meme for on Twitter. <laughs> Fallon sort of went, no. She went, well, you don't need to worry about it then, do you? <laughs> so if you don't believe in an afterlife, there's no way you'll go to one. Is that what happens? Oh, well, that was the insinuation, wasn't mm. it? I mean, you know, Usha's going wherever Hindus go. Sorry, sorry for my lack of knowledge on this. Mm. But most of this, I mean, Usha might have just been talking nonsense because she strangely referred to her unplanned brunch going to her head. Yeah. Was like, is she on the Bloody Marys already or what? The CBD gummies. <laughs> yeah. She had a lovely civilised brunch though, didn't she? Avocado on rye with poached eggs. Yes. There was a weird edit in all of that as well. Did you notice? It felt like it should have cut away where she went to eat. And suddenly Fallon, she was like, anyway, I'll leave you to eat. And she said something that was very Cold War. She went, don't let the poached eggs go cold, Usha. And then (laughs) the next thing, you know, she was like, anyway, Usha, um, about Harrison. I was like, there should have been a scene in between there. Oh, yeah. She sort of wandered away, didn't she? And then went, actually, I do want to speak to you about this. Is that what happened? Yeah, I think so. It wasn't utterly clear, but I think she 
sort of went, anyway, don't let your poached egg get cold. Wanted to just let her have her brunch and then thought, mm. actually, no, I've got to speak to you about this. It's doing my head in. You're right about the afterlife thing because I was thinking when Harrison said, um, you will always be the centre of my universe. In brackets, in my mind, I had apart from in the afterlife because <laughs> you <laughs> won't be when he said that, that annoyed me because I think he's just been intercepting my mail that I'm sending Fallon. <laughs> stealing my lines <laughs> in those in the letters that I've cut out from the newspaper. Oh, that's nice of you. <laughs> yeah, he was odd. Really? Mm. Mm. It's hard. I mean, I'm surprised he could... Um, we really need Peter here because Peter is um, like a distant cousin of Jet from Gladiators. And apparently Wolf was at the baptism. <laughs> he was. Yeah, who was Kaylee's son, is that right? Yeah, and um, godson to Harrison. Uh, mm. Kaylee, Kaylee had to take Wolf out to freshen up. I don't know what that involved. <laughs> I've now got the image of that wolf man from Gladiator in my head. I've Apparently when Gladiators first came out and mm. they weren't sure if it was actually going to be the the bizarre hit that it was in the early 90s, mm. he was so uh, thirsty he used to go supermarket shopping in his leotard so that people would definitely recognise him. Oh, you mean thirsty for attention, not yes. thirsty for a nice tin of lilt or something? Yeah, thirsty in the Twitter <laughs> sense, Kerry. Oh, yeah. He's, oh, God. Is he still alive, Wolf? I've got a feeling he is. Doesn't he pop up on, I don't know, on some kind of... He normally, he probably turns on the lights in Clacton-on-Sea at Christmas <laughs> now, doesn't he? In his costume. He always looked very angry. Maybe Chris could be a gladiator. Yeah, I think. What would his What would his gladiator name be? Quit. <laughs> Anvil. I did like that bit. I did like that bit where um, Thor. <laughs> I misheard Nora at one point when she was like, you know, about how they had to stop the meeting. The meeting was coming to an end. I thought she went, okay. Alice, we need to wind Chris up. <laughs> I was like, you're already doing that. It doesn't take much, Nora. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was also going to say, like, I'm I'm consistent, stable. I'm consistently in a stable. <laughs> you know, when um, there was another bit where I thought, oh, watch out. Chris is going to sort of appear and rugby tackle someone was when um, Alice brought Jim some cake. And I thought, <laughs> the cake police are going to sort of be all over Jim. Jim, no, no, don't eat it. You'll be up all night. <laughs> Jim was lovely, wasn't he? Oh, I was, I was bathing in his words. Oh, he... even though, even though he pushed Alice to then go and wind the hell up out of Chris. Yeah, that's all right. I loved everything about it. He was in the garden weeding to plant some seeds. Beautiful. He then asked if he could take Martha round the garden. How lovely. He could, he he's very um what's the word in tune with people's moods and things because when um Alice started to speak about um oh, what, what was it she said and he went I'll go and put the kettle on shall I yeah it was where she talked about forgiving Is there a dog uh, fight in the backyard or something um oh it's At your just, place <laughs> it's just the neighbor's dogs you just uh, have to to get on with it it was mm. about her feet she's on a mission to put things right wasn't it and he said oh, i'll go and put the kettle on yeah and how he said um i know what it feels like to feel terrible about yourself for a long time 
for too long. That's good as well, because for a long time, it was just considered that Jim had an emotional cutoff and that was just part of his personality. Yeah. Um, when his his wife, oh, I'm forgetting her name. What was his name? The name of his wife who died. Anyway. But he suggested, you know... Oh, God, why can't we remember that? That's I know, that's terrible, isn't it? It's going to come back to me in a minute. Rosalind. Rosalind, that's it. Yeah, I mean, he kind of gently suggested that she'd, she'd been the one that had done all mm. the heavy lifting mm-hmm. uh, emotionally, had a connection with um, Alistair. But now we have this insight into why... And Jim referenced it himself, wasn't it? It was mm. the abuse. It stopped mm-hmm. He said, an experience in my younger days kind of stopped me. You know, it's good that we have that yeah. insight into it now to help us because I, I would find it hard to be hard on Jim, but now we can see why mm. he was the way he was. That's that's what makes that storyline so valuable, I think. Yeah, and we've got to be the best parent we can be because we won't ever get the chance. I mean, it was very, it was it was hard hitting and you can imagine Alice hearing that and thinking... God, yeah, I need to be the best parent I can be and have a real good crack at this. Yeah, that was that was all that was happening. I mean, that thing yeah. that I referenced earlier was that Susan threw into her face in the village mm. shop. Don't don't think I know what you've been doing, giving Martha Christmas and letting, you know, letting mm. him have two parties and stuff. And Alice quite clearly told Jim and mentioned to Brian later, you know, the reason she's been doing that is because out of guilt. Mm-hmm. Wasn't out wasn't some kind of scheme playing yeah. the long game to then go in and play the saint and get um mm. uh, like full custody of Martha. I reckon as well that Jim is going to go nuts with Susan about, you know, her going, No, there are no positions here for you. Like, who are you to be able to say no to someone when Jim has said, go and speak to Susan, you can do the awkward shifts. I know Susan organises who does what and when, but... And doesn't doesn't Alice's cousin own the bloody shop in the first place, mm. pretty much? Although someone did, but I think it's Brenda, who knows everything on Twitter. She said it's like a sort of community-owned vibe. So uh, okay. not necessarily a person. However, Susan can't just go, nope, you can't. Especially, yeah. yeah. There's no shifts for you here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in Ireland, like, um, shift, a shift is a is a shag. It's also known oh. as a ride. I just have this image of, like, <laughs> going into a nightclub and just having no chance of getting laid. <laughs> <laughs> just like hearing, there's no shifts for you here. Alice. Or Alice saying to Susan, I don't want to shag you, Susan. Yeah. Or your son. Yeah, I think Jim will, Jim will not appreciate how Susan has gone about this. I'm hoping that he, I don't know, you, he could convince anyone of anything, I think. So it'd be interesting if he does step up and take Alice's side to anybody. Yeah, I can see that. He, mm. he might... Um... I mean, she gave birth in the back of his Riley. Yes. You can't stop that connection. <laughs> oh, there was a point as well where, where Jim, when he'd taken, um, he had Martha, the line opened with, uh, perhaps I ought to put her down. And I thought, that's a bit extreme, Jim, but, you know, it might solve the shared care issue, I suppose. <laughs> 
Yeah. He was like, oh, sorry, I, I forgot I meant to be a warm parent now. <laughs> yeah. Just ignore me. <laughs> yeah. I was, he was about to go and get some of Alistair's meds yeah. from the cupboard, <sighs> from, the, from the fridge. Mm. Um, yeah. So possibly Jim had a part to play in all of that. Mm-hmm. So Alice is putting her side of it to Brian mm. as we start Tuesday. And then Brian goes to see Neil. So he's telling Alice, well, that's what you do to kind of gain people's trust again and, Mm. you know, um, earn their trust and their forgiveness, whatever. So Alice is giving her side of the story to Brian, which I think is pretty accurate Mm. that Chris was was calling all the shots. Yeah. Chris is totally happy as long as it's all going the way he wants it. And the moment it's not, apparently he has a meltdown and is up half the night. Well, you know, bake a batch of cupcakes. That's what Peggy does. <laughs> um, then Brian goes to see Neil. And it's very testy, isn't it, between the two of them? It's not good, mm. their work relationship. And Susan's getting worried that this is going to spill over into their working relationship at Barrow. We've got this whole closure of Barrow thing. Mm. I would say in the background, but quite in the foreground. And it wasn't that long ago, although Brian turned the ship around, where Jenny was selling him on the idea of retirement. Another bloody one. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. What's to stop Brian in this BL board meeting Mm. um, just kicking into his own net and deciding to close up because it makes them, and he'll take retirement. You can bet your ass that his retirement is better than um, Neil's, and that will put Neil and Susan, therefore Chris, into a a more of a, a precarious financial state, and then mm-hmm. he can say, "Look, we're we're the more stable family." Mm-hmm. That was a little theory, anyway. I don't know. Yeah, good point. I had not thought of Brian retiring because I don't like to think of him stepping back or stepping down from anything so I hadn't (laughs) actually considered that and I don't know what the implications for him would be if he did just totally go right that's it I've had enough or for anyone else to be honest um yes that is a good point he he's really tiptoeing around it he did say to um Alice as well you maybe should have warned Chris rather than just, uh, obviously he's trying for it, the ground to not be bumpy. He wants it to be as smooth as possible, doesn't he? So that he doesn't get taken to the cleaners. Um, but hit between him and Neil, they kind of put it to one side as well, didn't they? After they had an initial prickly thing. Because Brian said... Um, well, maybe we should leave them to sort their own stuff out when they, they, they're going to cool down. And we, you and I need to focus on Barrow. And Neil sort of went, yep, yep, you're right, we do. So they, they didn't come to, wasn't, didn't get heated enough to be angry at each other yet, did it? No, it, it, that's what I said. It, it's just a little bit awkward, isn't it, right mm. now? And, oh, who knows? I, I, Brian's very worried about Alice's um, life being dragged through the courts, quite rightly as well. And certainly um, Susan's prepared to to fight it, but Mm. 
But you know what sides mean? Yeah. Prizes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be awful. I mean, they're going to really chuck the dirt at each other, aren't they? It's going to be mud slinging left, right and centre. So you can imagine Susan's sort of, and another thing from the sideline. Yeah, yeah. She's going to, if she's called she, as a kind of a character witness, she'll lose it, I think. What I think would be best if the judge just said, I demand a trial by grandmother cake, like they do in Game of Thrones. Or is it trial by combat? I can't remember. But then, you know, Jenny just brings out all her baked wares and Susan just brings out this banana frosting lump lump of shite and <laughs> and the, no and but no 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 I've made these cakes with these biscuits with Martha's face on as well <laughs> and the judge is going to be like Aldridge's she's all yours yeah. now get the f- out of my courtroom you freak <laughs> yeah decision by cake yeah that's um, what I want yeah I'm sure there is a there is a, a much better joke in there a much better pun but it's not <laughs> coming to me right now on the food front yeah I'm just reminded of Roy missing Phoebe right at the beginning of Sunday. Yeah. Cast your mind back. She's only been gone five minutes, obviously. Um, and he was really waxing lyrical about Sunday being fry-up day. It sounded like all day long on a Sunday. I know. <laughs> they eat fried food. More ash browns, Phoebe? <laughs> Just starts shoveling in my mouth as he's watching Friday the 13th, part seven. Yeah, or they had brunch after a Saturday night horror trilogy. Of course, immediately I thought of Peggy, Jill and Shula. <laughs> but yeah, he, he so his and Phoebe's time together seemed to be based pretty much around fried food and horror. Yeah, no wonder she got out. <laughs> I'm surprised. I mean, I reckon that if we hadn't have known beforehand, I reckon there was... Um, Mike probably was nowhere near type 2 diabetes till he moved in for that week. <laughs> yeah. Just, just all right, I'm up for the horror trilogy and I don't want to fry up every now and again. But um, mm. there's some debate about is there a chippy in Ambridge? There isn't, apparently. Okay, I thought there was and it was called the Burt Fry. <laughs> oh, very good. Okay. I, twi- I tweeted that in the week, so, uh, you know. But excellent. I'm glad you liked it. I do like it. Um so uh, I know Kerry Davis had to come out to bat for that, didn't he? And say that there used to be a visiting fish and chip van, but there's definitely a chippy in Dorsetshire somewhere, I think. In, um, not far. It's not in Ambridge. Well, there was that thing where Leonard did his Uber yeah. Eats where he went around all the chippies and some they had salt and vinegar on the table. So we, we, pre- we presumed that mm. David had just got straight up fish and chips. Yeah, that was bloody pathetic, wasn't it? When Roy said... Oh, Ker- no, Kirsty said, um, had a cord and he went, sausage, I can't, I don't think I can face more fish. F*** off. It was quite a heart-wrenching story, wasn't it, when Kate jumped out the bowl? The, <laughs> the best side of that was I quite liked the exchange between Roy and Jacob on Monday. Yeah. If we had, if we had mediation, mm. we, we've had some very, I mean, the way that I, you know, kind of listen to the archers. I really like if we just got solid blocks of going between two scenarios, and we had that on Monday. It was just Jacob, Jacob and Roy, mm. and Nora, Chris, and Alice. And I was like, I'm okay with that because I, 
yeah, Chris is annoying me, but I'm in, I'm enjoying mm. that. But I've also got this light relief of um, this chat about the fish. And Jacob gets some stick for his character. I thought he was, he was, he thought he actually came across as quite witty. If I was holding a dinner party in Ambridge, <laughs> I would definitely invite Jacob and Kate. Yeah, just to watch the looks on the faces of everyone else. Mm. Yeah, he was quite amusing, Jacob. I, he had a few good lines that, you know, you do realise I'm an equine vet at the point at which this fish... And I also loved that Jacob said, um, why don't you just, you know, wait for it to jump out again and leave it to die? <laughs> I thought that, that was excellent advice from a vet. Yeah, I mean, Roy was a little bit behind the eight ball when he said, she, she jumped out her bowl. Can they do that? <laughs> I was like, well... <laughs> She already did it, Roy. Yeah. That was the whole basis of half of Sunday's episode. He was like, will she do it again? Jacob just went, well, why have you considered asking her? Yeah. You could see that moment, Roy, and then he was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Mm. And have you considered a lid? And Roy sort of went, oh, I hadn't thought of that. And he went, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> so he totally <laughs> stitched him up, didn't he? Oh, about the tank. Yeah, yes. he's made him buy a self-cleaning tank. Yeah, and uh, I, I quite enjoyed that. I, I liked the little exchange between, like, uh, Kate, I mean the fish, not yeah. Kate, you're Kate, and then it just, you know. <laughs> it was a, so, yeah, this was a bit of a turnaround for Roy because he was he was kind of uh, disowning the fish mm-hmm. on, re- on receipt of it, but uh, now he cares for it deeply. So but As if you can't pick a bloody fish up off the carpet. Oh, I know, I know. I mean, they did they actually use a fish slice? They did, It was they? mentioned, wasn't it? Yeah. i tired of that, really. But anyway, anyway, it, it kind of passed, didn't it? You watch a fair old bit of TV just to drag it back to lovely Jim. Mm-hmm. What TV show is Jim watching where people are giving advice on how to care for children? Is it Super Nanny? Yeah, I did tweet a meme of her because she's the one who sort of has her arms folded and says that is not acceptable (laughs) she can't say the word acceptable is it just one nanny yeah well you're leading up to a gag here aren't you no i'm not (laughs) no i'm not (laughs) what what would what would the one gag be oh god knows i just thought you were going and is it just one nanny and I go yes and you go oh I thought it was and do some sort of amazing punchline but it wasn't me no no I is, is it the quite stern looking woman with glasses yeah glasses dark hair I think she's called Joe somebody okay she's been doing that years isn't she yeah I don't even know if she's even on doing it anymore um so maybe Jim recorded those <laughs> he's watching it on it wouldn't be on Dave, would it? I don't know. UK Gold? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a surprise to hear that he'd been watching Super Nanny, to be honest. Yeah, but I got the impression that was what he'd been what he'd mm. been inhaling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, stranger. Mm. Strange. We learn something new about Jim every day. If he's not, yeah. if he's not out trying to spot Red Wings, he's watching Super Nanny. <laughs> Tony yep. seems to... He's being reinvented as not a yes man and he's always known what he's wanted. I was like, is there another Tony in Ambridge? Who is this person they keep talking about? It's totally bizarre that they've they're just seem trying to rework 
A, his character, and mm. B, his relationship with his mother in well, that about odd. Yeah. 12 minutes. Yep. Well, first of all, he went round to fix a toaster. So yeah. who does that? And Peggy can sort of spunk thousands on rewilding, but won't shell out 25 quid at Argos for a toaster. I was fully. I, I just think Peggy was a bit slow off the mark. She was hoping to plug it in while he had his screwdriver in it. <laughs> well, I did, as, as soon as I heard Tony was fixing a toaster, and then Peggy was like, I love you, Tony. You've always been special to me. I thought, she's going to get electrocuted by the toaster straight away, which would have happened if I'd written it, I think. So he's been brought in as farming consultant. Oh, how many people does the rewilding need? Well, I like the way that she sold the success of Bridge Farm. She's mm. like, it sustains you and Pat and your entire sponging family <laughs> that live there with you now. And, oh, I just, I just, what I was hoping for when I was listening to this, and mm. I don't really have the energy to give this part of the story too much time, was that there was just some massive wind up going on and Peggy <laughs> and Kirsty and Rex are going to be oh and the this just have a walk in here this is going to be your new office Tony he'd walk in and a, a copper bucket of pig's blood and longhorn crap would just fall on his head and Peggy would be like you daft twat do you really think we're going to give you a job <laughs> you pathetic knob yeah. yeah I've never liked you and you know it <laughs> Yeah, that speech that she did, it was like, what the hell has happened here? When she went, that first whisper you hear in your heart is your soul speaking. And if you can be true to that, you will always steer a good course. Are you all right, love? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think most people just think, right, she's going to cark it, isn't she, soon? If she's saying this sort of thing. That's one of the things I love most about you, she said. But we all know she doesn't like him. Oh, yeah. The whole thing was just wrong. I, mm. I wrote something down that I that I can't believe I actually wrote. I wrote Tony Kirsty Affair question mark. <laughs> Matthew. I don't know. I was having what? a moment. <laughs> oh, and that whole like, oh, I'll go and look at the rewilding site and here are the longhorns. And you think like it's a field and three people are looking after it one of them is a farming consultant yeah what are they going to do what is any what's any of them going to do i know does kirsty get paid by the way well for this I mean, new the... role that she's taken up i think so i mean she's turned down 30 grand a week to go and manage locomotive plovdiv so <laughs> she better be getting paid it's just the way as well. It's just, oh, I spent all of my free time here. I never thought I'd be running the place. I was like, did you not for a second think about applying for the job yourself mm. when it came up? Oh, Matthew, why do we listen to this crap? <laughs> so we can come on here and ah. rip it to shreds. That's why. Yeah, what do you think? Our Lillian was cooking with the creme fraiche. I don't know, but Greek yogurt would not suffice would it did it involve danish bacon or british (laughs) bacon oh i mean justin even if he didn't have a suspicion that susan knew just in there dropping bombs walking around the shop bacon 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 pigs pigs. bacon bacon (laughs) 
I thought at the end, you know, I much, you know, Danish bacon from the under, was it she said mm. from the deli in Underwoods is lovely. I thought at the end when he was like, if word's gone out, then the BL board has a leak. And when I find out it is, they're going to be French toast. <laughs> <laughs> it was odd to hear Justin saying that because I would have thought he would be a right old Brexit geezer. Would you not? Yes, absolutely. So it was, it was kind of wrong that he was going, you shouldn't be telling people to buy British. They should have freedom of thought to select any product they wish. It's almost as if people who voted for Brexit are now being completely hypocritical, isn't it? Yeah, good point. It could happen. And maybe he's doing that as well. Yeah, don't be silly, Matthew. That would never happen. I mean, tying in, just, just for mm. a second there, just to tie in... Being in the shop, being in the local shop, and that weird thing with the fish. You got that story I sent you earlier in the week about the the, the smoked salmon being alarmed in the Bristol yes. supermarket. So this, I don't know if people might not have seen this. Um, there's a, a a blogger writer does a little bit of radio work based in Bristol. She's from my neck of the woods in Bristol, called uh, Rachel Hawkins. She's on Twitter as RH Blogs. And I think she's on Instagram as RH. Go check her out. Very, very funny. And uh, she always, I'm not a homesick person, but when, when like she tweets about Bristol, it, you know, it kind of strikes a chord with me. And she went to the local Sainsbury's, not a million miles from where my mum live, uh, was perusing the aisle, touched the smoked salmon, and an alarm went off in the shop. <laughs> at which point she was like, this can't be happening. Touched it again, it went off again. And the guy in this little Sainsbury's local said, oh, yeah, we had to do that to stop people nicking it. Now, this, it transpires because there was a screenshot from the chat. Further down, her, she'd said that her mum had informed her that they do that with legs of lamb as well. <laughs> I don't know where they do that. but I was I, So I called my mum because she's local, mm. um, lives in those environs. And I said, you know... I read this, be, don't freak out if you touch the smoked salmon. Uh, and I said, and apparently they do it with legs of lamb. And my mum really seriously went, oh my God, you better warn Kerry. <laughs> Oi, Mrs Weir, I don't steal lamb. Well, I should point out at this point, she's no longer Mrs Weir. Oh shit, okay. Well, yeah. when she had you, she was, wasn't she? Maybe yeah, she, she wasn't. She's called Moon Spirit now. Oh right, okay. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's so funny. I have never stolen a leg of lamb. Have you ever touched something quite innocuous in a cold meat and fish <laughs> aisle that has then set a bloody alarm off? No. I mean, that's I've never heard of that at all. What sort of shop is it and which neighbourhood? And It's a small Sainsbury's local in Kingswood, which is okay. a part of Bristol that I grew up. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'll be honest, I didn't know that people were even consuming smoked salmon in Kings. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get shit for that. Yeah, it's almost as bad as the cake police, isn't it? There's salmon police as well and lamb police. Mum said that apparently they do have like these little chips sometimes on the pack that mm. can, if you start moving them around, they make noises. Just sounds completely, uh, I don't know, dystopian to me. Very. Oh, you know, the smoked salmon alarm. Very yeah. strange. She'll never buy smoked salmon ever again, will she? This Rachel Hawkins mum. No. Um, well, it was actually Rachel herself. Oh, it was her herself. Yeah, yeah. It was her mum that then came with the, the leg, leg of lamb story. The screenshot that was shared by a friend of hers of their chat 
was that she was utterly traumatized by it. <laughs> and then she she then put it back on the shelf, which I pointed out on Twitter makes it look like you were actually nicking it and you just <laughs> you just changed your mind because yeah, you of don't the... want to buy it at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh dear. It's all got it's all gone crazy in Bristol. So mm. yeah, I'd like if anyone listening to this has had similar, we'd like to hear about it. Where where on earth would they tell us about that, Carrie? And other observations about the pod and the archers itself, if you yes. can be bothered with that show. <laughs> um yeah, please come and join us on Twitter at the Cider Shed Pod. We have hit 1974 as our number at the moment, which is a good year, isn't it, Matthew? It is, yeah. A very good year. Lots of great things happened that year. Um, uh, Patty Hurst held up a load of banks, didn't she? Oh, did she? I think so. Because whenever they give me a a birth Mm. year... card of events that happened in my year she's front and center oh, of it with, a mach- with a machine gun i was like yes that's my that's girl nice. <laughs> yes so that's our twitter account please come and have a look it's a right laugh on there as you'll know most of the listeners are on there regularly and on instagram we are the same we're at the cider shed pod blimey everyone's flocking into the instagram now suddenly it just some, something happens and the floodgates open and people are finding us on there. So please come find us, if you haven't already, on Instagram, at the Cider Shed Pod. We post up reviews, nonsense photos. I, when we were started recording tonight, it was actually still sunlight coming through my spare bedroom. And I had to put the shades on. So I might, might I, I post, I'm going to post a photo of me in front of the mic with the sunglasses on when I was prepping because it was a little bizarre. <laughs> so yeah, find us there. Uh, we mm-hmm. have a Facebook group called the Cider Shed Podcast. Lots of people popping up on there who've just found us and saying very nice things. There was a chap who was there on the week. I shared it with you, didn't I, Kerry, mm. saying that he was almost about to give up on the archers and then he found the cider shed and now he's going to continue listening because he shares our ire and our hatred yeah. for the, a lot of the characters. Isn't he another one of those who's going to go back to our first episodes and he's listening to the whole Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, we talked about that last week. Even we maybe. don't do that. Uh, yeah, it was uh, Stuart. Stuart who said mm. that. It was Nina last week. Yeah, so welcome, welcome mm. in. We'll we'll take all all lunatics. You are fine with us. Um, <laughs> and we also we have a email which is hello at thesidershed dot com. That's where you can find us there. I mean, one more thing as well. We normally put a tweet out and a Facebook post out in the group when the episode goes out. Please share it on those platforms. It really helps us a lot if you put those out and go to itunes if you're listening via the apple um stuff and leave a five-star review and we're doing our best to try and template those and share Mm -hmm. them on our instagram and twitter yeah we had another lovely one come through thank you to whoever it was who put that through on this week lovely words yeah you know it's nice really really I mean, you've got that little book, haven't you, Kerry? You must read I that. Know. You must just you must fall asleep with that. Wake up <laughs> drooling over it. Pressed to my bosom, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, Brian Fair, you can only read Brian Ferrer's autobiography so many times, can you? Uh... He, he's bringing out a book called Lyrics. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Yeah, and and it's the the autographed copies for Waterstones have already sold out because I did look at trying to get you a copy. Oh, Matthew, there's you knowing about it and me having no clue. (laughs) I know, I know. Well, you know, I mean, I've still got a little bit of spare change after I paid for that cameo, so (laughs) it's all going on, Brian. 
Um, so, mm. oh, I'll tell you what, I've, I've just remembered as well. I meant to say, I spoke to my mate Jeremy in the week who listens to the Archers and he's not on Twitter. You've met him, haven't you? Uh-huh. Yeah, I met him in Porto, didn't I? And he has a goldfish story. It's very brief where he, a goldfish actually jumped out of the water onto the floor uh, when he was decanting the fish from a dirty fish bowl to clean the water into a Pyrex casserole bowl. I'm not sure that that's advisable. <laughs> but um, And he picked up the fish by hand and because it was looking lifeless, he poured whiskey onto it. Right. And the fish came back to life. And I was like, what made you do that? <laughs> he said, I don't know. It was before the internet. He's got no, he didn't even look anything up. Um, he said it wasn't a blended whiskey, nothing special, but it did no. the trick. Wasn't a single malt? No, no. Yeah. So, I mean, that reminds me of those little fish that you used to get that were magic. Do you remember one, those ones that were very thin plastic? Yeah, that and they curl would lay, up. Yeah, so I think he, I think Jeremy was just thinking it was that. Yeah, and, and it all got muddled in his head. I mean, was there very little left in this bottle of whiskey by that time? <laughs> Probably knowing him, and he has got very bad eyesight. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he probably thought he was doing a party trick and just everyone else had to fill him in afterwards and what happened. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I might have mentioned this before. I've got a couple of weird goldfish stories. One was an uh, an old colleague of mine uh, dated a guy and I won't get into the ins and outs. Oh, oh God, that's terrible. I won't get mm-hmm. into the main part of it, but this guy had a safe word because he liked certain things and his safety word was goldfish. And... Um, <laughs> when she their relationships didn't last because she thought it was a bit odd and when she left work I made her a card and on the front of the card I drew this picture and it was just bubbles in water and I just wrote on the front we're so sorry you're leaving but if you ever want to come back and you open it up and there was a goldfish winking it went just say the word (laughs) and I hope she still has it I might ask her and Mm. hope she doesn't listen to the pod for reference. But uh, I've definitely got the inside of the card somewhere because I think I posted it on my Instagram at the time. Um, But that isn't the most incredible goldfish story I got. And this is a little bit up there with Jeremy's and the story of Kate. Mm. When I was a little boy, and I think I told you this in the WhatsApp group, but I got zero feedback because I think you just were like, no. Hmm. My dad revived our goldfish when I was a little boy that had been dead supposedly for hours by giving it the kiss of life (laughs) through a straw. (laughs) No f***ing way would that happen. What, you put a straw into a mouth of a goldfish? My memory of it is a little bit hazy, but I don't Uh, know. I think you need to get your dad to tell us this story because I do not believe anything you tell me about that. Okay, all right, I'll do that. Peter, play the harp music now, please. All right, Dad, the reason you're here is because, as you know, there was a goldfish-related story in The Archers this week. Kate, the goldfish belonging to Roy, that his daughter Phoebe gave to him as a leaving present when she went off to work on a microalgae farm. You keeping up with all of this? I'm trying to, yeah, doing my best. okay. There was a bit of drama. The goldfish leapt out of the bowl and Roy and Kirsty had to, they got got it back off the carpet with a fish slice of all things and they managed to get it back into the bowl. <laughs> right. 
Now, the reason you're really here is to corroborate a story, because we both had this problem, that when I try and tell this story of how you revived and brought my goldfish back from the dead, no one ever believes me. And I think that when you tell the story, no one ever believes you. No, they don't. And now we're both in the same, well, we're not in the same room, because you're in the West Country and I'm in Portugal. But from your, I was quite young, so my memory of it might be a little bit tainted. What do you remember happened? It was... um summer because it was a light evening I came home from work and you must have been about eight I think if that and you came running up the path crying telling me the goldfish had died and mum had chucked it out in the bin I said where show me and I lifted the lid up of the bin in the front garden and there was the goldfish dead as a goldfish on top of the all the rubbish and it wasn't moving it was doing nothing And it had been there sometime, maybe an hour. So you kept saying to me, save it, save it, save it. And I said, you can't save it, it's dead. It's a dead goldfish. It's fair to say mum was a bit more tough love than you were. I would say so. As far as she was concerned, it's dead, leave it, move on. So I said, what can I do? She said, you can save it. So I picked it up and it wasn't moving and I put it back in the goldfish bowl and it just floated. So I took the goldfish out, I got a straw and I put the straw paper straw, whatever it was, in its mouth very gently and gently blew, very, very gently. And the goldfish bloated out, took it away, (laughs) and the stomach flattened. I blew and it bloated out again. Did this about half a dozen times. Didn't seem to move. Put it back in the bowl, and bless me if it didn't start swimming around. It shook itself and started to swim around. I remember the moment it started swimming again. I remember that, and, you know, it was a Lazarus moment. He lives, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do you remember the goldfish's name? No, I can't. No, I don't know. It was called Jaws. Was it? All goldfish are called Bob, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, anyway, the goldfish went on for another couple of weeks, as I recall. Your your vet over there is called, called Alistair, isn't he? Yes, Alistair, yeah. Well, Alistair's just one of the vets in the archers, but the other guy that works there, Jacob, he's like getting blood from a stone. He's an equine vet, and he was the only vet on hand when Roy went to the vets to ask what to do. Yeah. <laughs> You're a bit limited to what you can do with a goldfish. I mean, I'm going to have to say there is a baptism story this week in the archers, and when this first came up a few weeks ago, I mentioned christenings and baptisms to you, and you couldn't, you swore blind that I wasn't even christened, and then the rest of the family brought the receipts and came up with the photo. So <laughs> So, so can we can we, in where in which you and all your mates were in the photo? So can we trust your memory on this goldfish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a it was a unique situation, and nobody believes me. I've told so many people that, and they don't believe me. I expected to be shouted down by at least one of Peter and Kerry, and probably the listeners. So it's true. It's all true. All right, I'll put that to them. Okay, I'm going to leave you to go back to your archer style life over there. Okay. All right. Speak to you later. Have a good day, sir. Listen, love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Love you. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, see you next week, everybody. See you. Bye. Hang on.